This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House USA, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders in America. My name is Nick Hoadley and I'm the CEO of Insurance Search. We specialize in helping insurance businesses grow and multiply their growth by attracting, recruiting and retaining the highest performing insurance professionals in the country. Each week in the Coffee House, we interview leading insurance business leaders and discover how they achieve their success, learn what advice they have for other aspiring insurance business leaders, and we discover what makes their business an attractive proposition for high-performing talent. This week on the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Megan Miller, who is the Executive Director at Spencer Educational Foundation. Welcome to the show, Megan. It's great to have you on today. Thanks, Nick. It's really a pleasure to be here. The pleasure is all ours, Megan. The pleasure is all ours. We're really looking forward to hearing more about your career and the great work you're doing there at Spencer Educational Foundation. Before we start, could I ask you just to give the listeners a bit of a background into your career and also the work that you're now doing there at Spencer? Sure. Yeah. So I spent 16 years in the insurance industry. I have an engineering degree. So I started out as a risk engineer assessing properties. So really kind of starting from the the grassroots of it um, and worked my way through to to different underwriting positions, um, sales and management positions. And alongside of that, in my personal time, I'd always done a lot of fundraising and philanthropy. So when the position at Spencer came open, it's really just a great meshing of of the insurance industry and the nonprofit sector. So that's how I ended up here. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's, it's incredible the amount of people that we've had on the show who have got engineering degrees and had a great career in insurance. So it must, give, must be something to do with the way, way your brain's wired or something like that. I guess so. Yeah, it seems like a natural fit. So yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of us out there. <laughs> there certainly is. There certainly is. And you mentioned about Spencer being a non- non-profit. Perhaps you could share with us a little bit more about the work the foundation does. Sure. Yeah. Spencer is one of the largest nonprofits in the U.S. that's sponsoring talent into the industry. So our mission is to fund the education of tomorrow's risk management and insurance leaders. Uh, We have five programs, the foremost being our scholarships program, um, which has in recent years been a spend of about a half a million every year. So we're really dedicated to supporting those students that have decided to join our industry. Fantastic. And how many students a year are you supporting at the moment? So for scholarships, it's about 100 a year for the past few years. Um, But then we have uh, many other programs. We um, provide internship grants to companies. Um, We provide experiential learning opportunities. We support course development. Um, So we estimate reaching, you know, probably a few thousand kids each year. And in order to finance that, where, where do you get the majority of your donors and your donations coming from? Yep. So so most of it is the, the corporate companies, so large insurance companies and large brokers. The National RIMS organization is also a very big supporter of us. That's the Risk and Insurance Management Society. Um, they, they have the national group, and then they also have chapters 
um, actually all around the world. So the, the chapters individually, a lot of them support Spencer as well. And if I was at a large insurance company or, or a brokerage and, and we made a donation, would that go to a specific person who would then go on and potentially get a job at that company or does it go into a pool for the allocation of scholarships? Yeah, so it's a bit of both. So some companies just give us a general donation to support all of our programs. Other companies use their funds to create what we call named scholarships. So an insurance company can create a scholarship in their own name. And then we do connect the student with personnel at the company so that they can get to know each other. Um, In some cases, that has led to internship opportunities and future employment. Fantastic. Fantastic. Really, really value and appreciate what, you, what you're doing. One of the aims of our podcast series is to educate more people about the benefits of the insurance industry and the, the wonderful opportunities it can provide. So I think it's great that you're providing that opportunity and also for those large insurance businesses to be able to come on board and really assist with that. Going forward over the next couple of years, what what are your sort of growth plans for Spencer and how many more people will you be looking to offer scholarships to? Yeah, so right now we're giving usually between 1.2 to 1.5 million in support every year. We'd really love to see that double over the next five years. And we'd also like to be more strategic with our our grant allocations. So really digging into uh, the metrics, uh, looking at our impact, learning how to better measure that so that going forward, we can focus those dollars on where it's making the most impact for the most number of students. Um, so that that's the goal now. And as I mentioned, you know, we, we do a lot to support students who've already kind of self-selected into the industry. So they know what they want to do and they want to join the industry. I think the next natural iteration for Spencer is helping recruit more talent into the industry. So students that might've been thinking about studying finance or, you know, being an engineer like myself, who having considered risk management, really reaching those students, even at the high school level, if we can, to educate them on the great opportunities in our industry. Yeah. It's such a great education piece that certainly they, they don't normally get at high school or at junior school. They're, they're not, there's not that encouragement like there is into law, accountancy, engineering, yeah. that type of thing. So. Yeah, people don't grow up thinking, I want to be an insurance agent, right? So no. <laughs> we need to kind of dispel those myths. <laughs> we certainly do. We certainly do. Regular listeners will see today that we, we've tweaked our questions slightly, bearing in mind Megan's role at, at the non-profit rather than a broker or carrier. But what we're going to do is the, the first half of the question is going to be centered around Megan and, and her career and the espresso round will be tailored towards the foundation. Before we start though, Megan, I've got to ask you, what's your go-to coffee of choice in the morning? You know, it's funny, my husband and I just invested in a really nice Jura espresso machine so that we don't have to leave the house ever because we both work from home now in the pandemic. So it's been great. I really like the the flat white option. I like uh, milk and sugar in my coffee. (laughs) You'll never have to go back to working in an office again. Supplies like that at home. Yeah, we have our own beverage center at home, which is great. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Megan, how did you break into C-suite or leadership position? And how did you find that transition from your previous role in your career? So as I mentioned earlier, 
this role has really become a, nat- a natural culmination of all of my experiences. So I kind of worked 16 years in increasing leadership, responsibility, teams, managing, and so forth. But at the same time, I was doing my nonprofit work and fundraising as well. So I spent um, I spent about eight years at Swiss Re, and I really loved it there. And I saw kind of a nice career trajectory for myself. But then I kind of got lured away from that um, to work for a broker for a couple of years. Um, and it was very obvious from early on that it just wasn't a great fit. So I kind of took a step outside of that, and you'll see on my resume, um, I became the executive director for a small nonprofit called the Sasamani Foundation, um, and they do work with women and children in Eastern Africa. And that was just an amazing experience to kind of have purview over an entire organization from beginning to end. You know, you're kind of responsible for all aspects of it. Um, The thing that was missing for me was my network and, you know, all the great relationships I had built in the insurance industry. So when the position at Spencer was created, um, the executive director role was just created in 2019. I was super excited about it. So I, the the chairperson at the time, Mariah Propus, I had been talking to her about positions in the industry. And she said, what do you think about this? And I know it's really off the wall. And I said, you know, it's, it's less off the wall than you think, because here's what I've been doing. Um, so it, it really was just a great next step and um, just a chance for me to use all of those skills in, yeah. in one position together. Nice mix of your insurance experience using all your insurance contacts for a for a non-profit which you're passionate about as well. Megan, what would you say has been your sort of biggest achievement in your either in your time at Spencer or in your previous career? You know, I have to be honest, I thought about this one a lot, but just having a work-life balance, I think, is is just kind of my biggest personal and professional achievement. So I have four young kids. I remember I was pregnant with my second child and someone came to me and said, you're not going to have more, right? Because once you have more than two, it's impossible to work. And, you know, it's a little bit of a chauvinistic comment and not what I was hoping to hear. And I just love proving those kinds of opinions wrong. You know, it's not easy. My husband also has a successful career. So it's, you know, some in some couples, there's one person who's kind of doing the home stuff and one that's working and we're both trying to do both. So, you know, I really feel that achieving professional success while also managing the family is you know that's that's really the thing I'm the most proud of that's awesome that's an incredible achievement particularly at the moment during uh, lockdown when uh, when the kids are at home at the same time Megan have you ever had a time in your career where you were overlooked for an opportunity and how did you go about dealing with that yeah so ironically <laughs> the the two Things that come to mind were both for the same type of role as chief of staff roles for the CEO of, of insurance companies. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like that's a great fit for me. And especially at the time, it, it would have been um, the one would have been in Switzerland. Um, and then the other was kind of when I was looking to get back into the industry and just sort of really felt like I wanted something. But, you know, neither of them worked out. In the one case, um, the CEO was retiring. So <laughs> that which was lucky because I would have been over in Switzerland looking for a job instead of back home. Um, and then the other the the person who was doing the hiring actually wanted the position herself. <laughs> so, you know, if I had gotten that role, that probably would have been a pretty toxic environment. So, you know, you're disappointed at the time, but as you go on, you really realize it's cliche, but things happen for a reason, for sure. Yeah, it's certainly true. It, it sounds like both of those opportunities, although at the time seemed like great opportunities for you, but in, in the in the long term, you can sort of see how it's all panned out there. Right, exactly. 
Great. I often like to ask guests about technology and, and digital change they're sort of seeing at the moment or using for their customers. Have you got any examples of technology that you're either using at Spencer or that you've used in your previous roles that you feel has really helped drive forward that business? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just on a very basic level, I think the pandemic has really been a forcing function for us to just get up to speed with what's already out there, right? So things like teleconferences versus phone calls, um, really leveraging social media in new ways and, and reaching a lot of people, especially since people are remote and staying connected in that way. Another example is you know, we revamped our online application for scholarships. So we're using a new technology vendor there. They're allowing us to do new things like measure demographics of the students that are applying for our scholarships, um, you know, and putting that spin on it. And then the last piece, really, just in the industry as a whole, you know, InsureTech is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. So we're really looking to partner with InsureTech companies and help schools create InsureTech courses Mm -hmm. as well, you know, so we can support that aspect of the industry and, and feed it with talent as that part grows. Yeah, I think I think that'd be a really interesting opportunity. A lot of insure tech people are they're they're coming down that technology route which you know they, they may not appreciate the aspects, the insurance aspects, but when it comes to those companies building their teams, if they've got insurance knowledge as well, it, it really, really adds a lot of value to them and the to the business. There's not too many tech people who've got, got experience on both sides. So I'm sure courses like that would be very valuable and, and highly regarded. Megan, what what do you think are the major challenges ahead for insurance executives and young professionals? How should they be adapting to be successful? Yeah, I I think it's twofold. I mean, one is just the the number of people that are primed for retirement in our industry, Mm -hmm. kind of the dearth of talent and the war for talent. So we're competing against other industries that frankly just have better reputations and, you know, are better known. So that's really a big piece of it is just filling that pipeline. Um, And the second part of it is really this DE&I piece, right? The diversity, equity, and inclusion and especially here in the US, you know, that's just something like people are, are tired of seeing the same type of leadership at the top of every company, right? So I really do feel that executives need to have strong plans in place to diversify their workforce yeah. and not just to meet some statistics or to have some token placements, right? But to really diversify because you know, here and I think around the world, you know, the population is just becoming more diverse. Yeah. Um, so you, you need to reflect your client base. Um, you need all of those different ideas and those thoughts and those backgrounds. Um, so I think those are going to be big challenges, especially for the insurance industry that's been, you know, pretty staid and, yeah. and a bit dodgy, right, for a long time. So that, that's that's kind of what I hope that executives can adapt to going forward. Yeah, certainly, certainly. We keep going back to that education piece, but I think the earlier you start with the education, the more diverse pool of talent you attract. I know certainly our business has been to careers fairs where where you've got kids from school coming through and from some schools, from what we'd call state schools in the UK, the they just don't really know about insurance as a possible career. But from some of the more well-funded schools where perhaps their parents have been brokers, Lloyd's brokers, Lloyd's underwriters, they're much more aware about the industry and there's a lot more potential nepotism as well. So the more that we can educate a, a more diverse schools and diverse uh, range of those those kids coming through, I think that will help a lot. That brings us nicely on actually to the espresso round. 
so-called as the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So can I ask you, Megan, are you ready for the espresso round? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> the espresso round. First of all, I'll ask you, what, what are the characteristics about Spencer Educational Foundation that makes it such a great place to work at and such a great opportunity to be part of? Yeah, I mean, the, the first piece is the mission, right? We're, we're doing good things. It feels good to come to work every day. We're helping people. You know, the, the students are amazing. It's, it's just really fun to, to be in that environment. And the second, second and equally important is the people. So we have a small staff. It's just three of us. And there's the, uh, we have a 24-member board of directors. And the board of directors is phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're some of the top names in the industry, yet they roll up their sleeves to do the work. They raise the funds, you know, the, they help manage the organization and they really care. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the, those two things just just make this my dream job. Sounds great. And what opportunities do you provide to these aspiring insurance professionals who, who might be at school at the moment? What, what, what opportunities do you provide to them for those looking for a, a career in insurance and risk management? Yeah, so really, you know, the scholarships is the big thing. So our application, it closed yesterday, unfortunately, so I can't advertise that. Um, But we also do internship funding, as I mentioned, Um, that funding goes to companies, and then the companies hire the students, but we're always happy to share which companies are hiring if students want to reach out. And then the third piece is really what we call experiential learning. So we fund, you know, sending students to conferences, which can be really formative experiences for them. Um, we fund the course development, like I mentioned. We send um, risk managers to campus to teach kind of real-world case studies. Um, so you know, that's our bread and butter. That's that's what we're doing every day. And we're just for the listeners. We're recording this in in February 2021. So. As Megan's just said, we just missed the cutoff for the scholarships applications for this year. But but for next year, Megan, what what are sort of the top three sort of skills or behaviours that you're looking for when you're awarding those scholarships? Yeah, so our scholarships are merit based. Um, so we're looking at academics, right? We want to see stu- student achievement. We have a minimum GPA of three point three. The next piece is really leadership, and that's you know through clubs and organizations, and also internships and job experiences. The third piece is the dedication to a career in insurance. So we have two essays that the students need to complete, and that's where we want to see that they kind of have a future career plan in place, and it involves staying in the industry. Yeah, it must be very interesting that I imagine you get lots of different applications and, and quite a wide variety of different levels. Do you get involved in uh, reviewing those essays and, and marking those essays or or is that spread out across board members and how, do, how does that all work? Yep. So we have a committee that includes um, board members, our program manager works on our staff, and then um, also some volunteers who typically are either former scholarship recipients or um, past board members. Yeah. I think it's wonderful that their kids coming out of high school prepared to write essays about why they want to have careers in the insurance industry and, and what they feel is the major things sort of affecting the industry at the moment. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Megan, what what do you see as the largest challenge for the industry in a, in attracting talent? Yeah, I think, you know, we touched on that a bit already. It's really just competing with those other better known industries, right? And just for people who don't have a family member or a professor that turns them onto it, um, you know, it's just 
it's just not out there, right? They don't understand the variety of careers that are available. I mean, if you look at me, I went from being an engineer to running a nonprofit, right? All within the same industry. So that kind of arc, you know, I don't know that that can happen in every industry. So I think it's important for students to understand that. And we need to overcome that quite a bit. Yeah, I certainly do. I think one of the few sort of benefits of this pandemic has been the the stableness that the insurance industry has shown. And I think going forward, actually, the maturity of the market, I think the fact that a lot of insurance brokers, a lot of carriers are, are still posting good numbers and people have had very good job security will perhaps attract some people to the industry who might have been looking at other more sort of risky areas or, or areas prone to more fluctuations. Megan, we're almost at the end of the espresso round. If there are any students out there in the US at the moment considering a career in insurance and risk management, what would be your advice be to them right now? I mean, I obviously would just say go for it, right? If you're if you're interested in the industry and you're considering it, I really think it's a great place to be. Um, you know, people like to say follow your passion. And do that too, right? Your passion doesn't have to be your career, especially when you're starting out, right? I mean, the the bottom line is we all need to earn a living. I think insurance really provides enough variety that you can find your way. And even if you don't like the first position that you've tried in an internship or right out of the gate, there's so much that you can do. And, you know, it really comes down to the people that you're working with as well, right? And as you know, Nick, there's just so many great people in our industry and the people in our industry tend to love our industry. Industry, yeah, um, and you know, really promote it, and they want to see people be successful. So, you know, and I do think you know you're not working 80 hours a week, right, in this career. So you do have time. You have time to have your personal interests, to have a family, to have passions that you know you can ultimately weave into what you're doing. Um, so I, I really think that kids should just go for it if they're even thinking about doing it. I think they certainly should certainly should go for it. I 100% agree with that. We've almost reached the end of our time today in the Insurance Coffee House USA. Before we go, can I ask you for your one piece of closing advice? And also, how would uh, some of the listeners, perhaps their potential donors or potential kids who are interested in applying for a scholarship, how would they go about contacting you? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, my advice for the industry as a whole is really let's not ignore this problem of talent coming into the industry and let's put our heads together and figure out ways that we can really attract and retain the best talent and diverse talent. And Spencer is well poised to help with that. So if companies have specific initiatives that they're working on, we love to hear those ideas and see if we can support. And you know, you can find Spencer, uh, it's spencered.org, so spencered.org on the web um, and you can find our contact information there so we'd love for people if you're interested in supporting to go ahead you can donate online or if you want to learn more first you feel free to just give us a call or shoot me an email and happy to talk thanks megan i think we'll certainly be posting uh, your contact details and also the details for the education for those people to reach out to you thank you so much for joining us in the insurance coffee house there i think it's been Really interesting to hear more about what you're doing and the ways that you're educating people about the industry and encouraging people into the great industry that is insurance and risk management. So thank you for your time today, Megan. Yeah, thanks, Nick. It was really great to be here. We've really enjoyed it. And to all the insurance business leaders out there, whether you're based in the United States or internationally in in the UK, Europe or across the world, we thank you for listening and we're sure that you would have gained a lot 
of valuable learnings and found the interview with Megan really interesting today. If you do enjoy the show, like I always say each week, please leave us a review on iTunes and remember to download and subscribe so that you get each of our brand new episodes into your podcast app each week. Till next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House USA. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.